So we got John Peace in the house today. Uh, haven't seen his uh, beautiful face in several weeks. Uh, but uh, how are you doing, John? Doing great. Uh, missing work. Can't wait to get back. Uh, I did go out to Breezewood and drop some things off to Mike McGeehan last Monday. I got tired of sitting here and we had some product for uh, special projects we had made or products we had made for some Amish companies out there. And uh, I wanted to get them out to him so we could get them to the people and so they could take a look at them and see if these are things they want and they'd find viable to their business. Because you know, with OEMs, our goal is to see if we can make a widget for them that they just don't want to make themselves. So that way we can then wrap them up with some other products, be it sheets or boards, whatever they may need. Nice. For the people out there that don't know, what, what's an OEM? Just an simple. OEM is, an OEM can be a lot of different things, but we'll call them a mill workshop. But it could be a garage door fabricator. It could be a window fabricator. It could be anybody. that Anyone who takes our product and turns it into something that's not trim or, or uh, some kind of a siding on a home is considered an OEM, something that's different. Very cool. So it's been several weeks into this whole, you know, crisis, and it's amazing what's been happening from one our customers and our, you know, our friends and partners, the, the good things that they're doing out in their community, and two, kind of the good things are happening. All these amazing people are coming out of nowhere to to help, which has been very uh, nice to hear their stories. Uh, but what's what's been going on at the plant so far um, that you're aware of since, you know, this whole thing has, has yeah. started? Well, quite a bit. And I'll go over this. I'll go over it through two different avenues. One, what's going on in the plant and then what the plant has offered up to various states and government agencies that we can do for them. Uh, from a plant standpoint, it's all about social or I call physical distancing. And it's all about the employees. So we have really spread them out as much as possible. Uh, from a standpoint of, of uh, the people that are scared, if they want to go home, we let them go home. We don't keep them there. We don't want people who really don't want to be there. Uh, we have cleaning uh, operations that go on three to four times a day. Uh, one person who cleans everything, every touch point, be it in the lunchroom, in the plant, on a piece of machinery, Anywhere else in the facility is clean. At the change of shifts, all the shift stations are clean prior to the next shift arriving so that there's no touch points where the germs can be transmitted from one person to the next. No one is allowed in the facility whatsoever. The mail has to be dropped off outside, then brought inside. Uh, anyone using a forklift is the only person allowed the forklift that day. No one else uses that forklift. If they do, it has to be totally clean before the next one uses it. So, uh, and it goes deeper than that. There, uh, we're getting masks made right now for every employee, a cloth mask. Uh, Tracy's mom, who is a seamstress, is sewing together 150 masks for the people in the plant. They can use them if they want to, but we prefer they have them at least so that if they feel a little afraid, a little squeamish, they'll have something to protect themselves. Uh, we prefer that over a face shield. We like to face shields to go out to the medical community where they're really needed at this point in time. So we prefer they go in that direction. With regards to what we're trying to do for the states that are having the, the largest problem with the, the COVID-19 virus, we have offered our sheet products, whether we, directly to us, whether it's free, whether it's at some kind of cost, whatever it may be, we've offered sheet products to uh, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Illinois, New Jersey, uh, 
in case that he could use them for temporary hospital partitions. We know in New York City at the Javits Center, they are using uh, three millimeter and six millimeter sheet, PVC sheet. One thing about PVC sheet, it's made from chlorine. It's 57% chlorine based. It's hygienic, it's an antiseptic, and the surface is easily clean and germs don't grow on it as well. So it's perfect for those applications. The most recent thing we did, and really came off of uh, an Instagram post by Bobby Cozy, as we also told those same states, we replied to him again, let him know that we have a CNC machine here and we have assembly operations here. We can easily cut uh, Lexan or any other plastic sheet into shields, may not be FDA approved, but into shields, and then mount them onto the mask if they would like us to. Again, not looking for any money for this. We do it because we want to help the community out. So that's another service we're offering out there. We have not received any feedback in that as well, but just waiting in case it's needed. So is it, a, is it a similar process in making the uh, transparent acrylic PVC sheets that they would use for face guards than it is, say, versus making Versatex? It's similar, but it's totally different machinery, Josh. Uh, okay. It's a different type of extruder. Obviously, it's different material going into the extruder because it's clear. And in some cases, uh, uh, I would say it's also totally different downstream system that we have in our line. It wouldn't be as long of a line as what we have right now. Oh, okay. Rigid, whereas ours is a foam process. So it takes gotcha. a while. Cool. When it comes to the states, John, are they reaching out to you? Or are you reaching out to them? How are you making that connection? Uh, our attorney uh, has made contact with all the governor's offices or with the Department of Homeland Security, have forwarded that information on to me with the exception of Boston, where Chris Fernudo had a contact there and forwarded that contact information to me. In most cases, it's either filling out a form or responding to an individual. I then fill out the forms myself, making myself the contact person, since I don't want that going to the planet very best, best to come to me and I can talk, talk these situations over with them. And then uh, if it's uh, the form they filled, like I said, I fill that out online, Submit that and say, uh, you know, you know how to reach me. Give, give me a call. Here's my telephone number. Here's my email. Here's my text. Either way. That's amazing. Yeah, we had a conversation with Bobby Cozy. I think in his last post, he's delivered over or he's made over 650 masks. I'm sure it's growing by now. I don't know. Yeah, he's doing numbers. an average about 100, 125 a day or something like that. I mean, we got a three shift operation we could put out there. I wish someone would reach out to us for that. Cause I mean, three shifts, we could pump out a lot of plastic. Mm -hmm. and we have a huge machine so we could even handle bigger sheets, uh, probably get more pieces off our sheets because remember we have a new machine, very quick, you know, very speedy. I don't know how fast Bobby's is. I've seen it, but ours is massive. Uh, bigger sheets in there cutting off much more shields in a faster period of time. Well, I know Gina from um, Family to the Rescue. She's looking for uh, some kind of connection for the shields because Bobby's kind of doing his own thing. And she's kind of looking for maybe I'll have a contact you. Sure, definitely. We'll have to then know what the spec is on the sheets. And what I've told all the states is, we don't do this. This isn't a regular thing that we do. Just tell us what the spec is. We'll get our purchasing aid people involved and see if we can find the sheets locally here in Pittsburgh. Okay. Cool. That's awesome. So what have you been up to, John? I know you're not the guy to sit inside. No. Uh, well, as far as uh, my, my own personal things I keep doing, I, you know, obviously I'm on calls quite a bit a day with COVID, uh, with uh, budgets and different things of that nature. So I do those. I've been working on an AI presentation that's been on my desk for 
last couple of years and I'm starting to get close to finishing up on it. It's going to be an environmental AI presentation. I'm trying to simplify it so it's not too difficult for some of the sales guys. So, cause it, it does get a little bit deep in the weeds. So I'm trying to uh, simplify some of that. Uh, I go for a walk a lot. I work out a lot, uh, quite a bit on my Peloton, which I've always done. And I, and uh, my job now is <laughs> I, I get in a Peloton now I got to turn off the leaderboard. Cause once I turn it on, interestingly on some, I, I do a lot of these scenic tours too. You can do scenic rides or you can do the, you know, the on demand where you're in a class and in a class it's tougher because you got some pretty, pretty good riders there. The scenic tours are all ages, and normally I can beat most of those people. Do you ever see Eric Goodale on the Peloton? I know he's uh, pretty big into it. I didn't know that. No. Yeah. I and I typically, on any ride I've taken, I'll finish in the top 10% uh, almost all the rides I take. I mean, I get up there, so it's fun. You're a machine. I can do about 45, uh, 45 resistance. I can get about 90 RPMs uh, a minute. Uh, so I can I get to – I do like – and on a 20 minute ride, I can do six and a half to seven miles. Wow. It's like you got this down to a science job. Yeah. You would crush me, I tell you that. I do that. <laughs> I, I do yard work. I mean, you know, at later in the day, because I, I try to get up, I get up very early now. So I do, I exercise, try to get done exercise early. Later in the day, I try to go outside, do some yard work, because I got to be outside. So I've been doing a lot of little projects outside, getting a lot more things done in the yard than I've done before. Now I got to worry about a bear. So I have to take care of the bear, getting my bocce court set up for the summertime, taking care of my ornamental pond. So a little bit of things here and there. Right. I try to get on and post. I haven't posted much, but I do respond to probably more than I have in the past recently, but I got to do more of that too. I'm not doing enough on Instagram. Yeah. We're, I mean, as a group, we're pretty active right now as a sales team. Yes, you guys are. And, you guys uh, are. and guys are really trying to understand this, this platform because it's all new to them. You know, they're sales, they're not yeah. marketing people or the creative people, well, to say the least. But, uh, you know, it's it's been a fun fun time uh, talking to them and kind of discussing a lot of that. I actually find myself a lot more uh, busier with uh, helping other guys out, training them. I've been spending a lot of time with Chadwick and Turner virtually, actually. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing a ton of these webinars and yeah. uh these interviews, which I look forward to. So we have a couple more today, actually. We have some with uh, Dura Systems. There's one later to this evening. Yeah. So we're, I'm kind of excited to hear what's going on in their world down in uh, Australia and how this is all affecting them. So we are positioned to be out there to help our, our dealers and distributors because we know they're going to run their inventories down. They're, they're just, you know, they're very cautious. They want to make sure that they minimize their cash outlay. So what we do, because of our lead time, we're probably in the best position of any company out there because they know they can expect from Versatech one to two week lead time. So you don't have to stock up a lot of materials. They don't have to put a lot of cash out there and they can use that cash for other things to support their business. So that coupled with the fact of how we're building our inventories to help them when they come out of this, I think we're doing the best we can for our distributors and dealers. Hey John, overall, you know, as a company going through COVID, um, what are, we learning as a business from this um, and then what are some things that you feel like we can implement after this is all done? Wow. What did we learn? What I, I can tell what I, what I'm learning about is, and, and this really comes from a purchasing standpoint is, and we don't buy a lot of things uh, like, especially in our plant, none of our materials come from overseas. But some of the other things that we get, little things, 
and I didn't know this, a lot of stuff comes from overseas. Because some of our medical supplies we keep in our cabinet and other things come from overseas. I think we're too dependent on, on foreign governments. And, and I personally think we have to start bringing more of that manufacturing in-house. In the United States, as a, as, a comp- as a country, we've learned that we're not in a position to support ourselves during pandemics such as this. And I think things are going to have to change. I think, you know, not everyone agrees with Trump, but I think from a business standpoint, he sees this and, and he's not going to announce that right now, but I think he's going to be moving in that direction. Uh, from a company standpoint, Brian, I'm not so sure there would be anything we would do differently, really. I mean, uh, I think we've learned a lot. So when the next one comes up, how to handle it, if it ever does, mm-hmm. I think we're more, we're better positioned for that. We weren't in the past. We would never have done the things we're doing right now. So we've learned a lot, and I think we can react to it faster in making sure that uh, every one of our employees is safe. Uh, we took all the steps to, if the employee came in with a cough, he was immediately sent out. So, you know, Josh, you understand, Josh is, my son is, is a germaphobe. So when it comes to the plant, there's no one better to have in the plant right now than him. <laughs> He's making it clear. I mean, give example today. He caught people who were working close to each other, less than seven, six to seven feet, and he went out and said, here's the deal, guys. If you can't work apart from each other, you got to go home. I don't, I don't want you here. And, and the one guy started giving him lip. He said, obviously, you can't go punch out. We'll see you tomorrow. He sent him home. So uh, our employees, unfortunately, don't see this as we see this. So you have to reinforce with them day in and day out what has to be done. I'm, I've gone in the plant sometimes really early in the morning, five in the morning to see what's going on in the off shifts. Even though I don't work there, I still go in and see what's happening. And if I catch them, I jump on their case. And then I tell Josh when he comes in, guys, Josh, these guys weren't, weren't following the guidelines, period. Uh, our biggest problem is what do they do? If they don't follow them in the plant, what are they doing after work? Where are they going? We can only protect them so long. So, I mean, if you want to, what could we do? Put them in a bubble is all you can do because you can't protect them once they leave that facility you're up against it. So we do everything we can in the facility. We're keeping it clean. We're, I'm an example. They don't even eat in the lunchroom anymore. We force them to go upstairs in the training center and they have to sit six to eight feet apart. So they sit, you know, you got that big place. So they can do that easily. Uh, those are the kind of things that we've learned from this that we'll adopt going forward. But I don't think would change how we do things right now. Wouldn't it change the thing? Yeah, I think... We just got to be real thankful that we are actually considered essential, you know, even though as salespeople, we're, we're obviously doing as much as we can, but the guys at the plant, you know, you could be a teacher and not be in work for the rest of the year yeah. you know, or some other. So John, I've been doing this with a lot of the guys we've been interviewing is going through some projects on their Instagram profile. Mm-hmm. So I was going through your pictures and I just want to get your feedback on a couple of these, these uh, pictures to see your thoughts and um, some info Intel on the, uh, the projects here. So I'm going to share my screen real quick. I can do something. Okay. Yes. Sir. <laughs> see the, okay. Mm-hmm. So here's a picture. I know we're familiar with this. Um, what was that one? Oh, they are. Yeah. Oh. So you, so what we did, this is when I went up to the plant. I think we did some testing and whatnot and did some videos. And what we had done here is you laminated, well, you fastened two pieces together. All right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the special Raptor nail. Right. 
So talk a little bit about the snail and why you would use it, especially for, you know, you talk about our OEMs. I mean, this would be something amazing for them to use. It would be. This is good for whether an OEM, it's a dealer who's trying to do a few things as far as offering his customers maybe laminate product or maybe he has a shaper or something in his facility he wants to use, or even if it's just cutting something down the size, it's thicker. Uh, a Raptor nail is pretty much like a nylon nail. Now, they come in, one's called, color is called a wheat, but if you ever order them from them, get the white nails because they're almost a perfect match to the Versatech board. Uh, they're actually used for a lot of other applications Wood, I mean, if you go on their website, which is raptornails.com, check it out. I don't know if you're www, if it's just raptornails.com or something out, but check it out. But you'll see they use it for wood, and they use it for other materials, OSB, MDF, the whole bit. Uh, it's got decent hold strength, uh, as you can see by the nail there. Uh, we just placed a piece that we put some glue between the two boards, use the raptor nails to shoot them together. Now, what the advantage is, think if you put a steel, stainless steel or galvanized nail in there. Now you're either gonna rip up your, your saw or your router or your milling machine or whatever. In this case, you don't have to worry about that. It's, it's nylon, it's like, almost like the plastic. It's gonna cut real easy, it's not gonna be a problem. Uh, it's gonna give you the holding power you need to keep those two boards together until the lamination process is complete and the glue is cured. So it's perfect, I mean, it's, it's the way to do it. So if you're an OEM, and you're looking at want to laminate up more than two pieces, you know, two pieces or more, you should really be looking at a Raptor nail gun and the Raptor nails themselves. They come in different lengths. So you probably can get them longer than this so that you can get through more than two boards possibly at one time. Uh, and I think it'll be very beneficial whether you're cutting moldings, whether you're just cutting boards, uh, anything you're doing with Scyther PVC, this is definitely, a, in my opinion, a must need piece of equipment. It's not very expensive and it'll help you do some things and uh, save some wear and tear in your tooling. And then we'll go through a couple more of these here. I like scrolling down to the beginning because you share a lot of... You know if that one was up there, the one with the tape measure on it? Where is it? Uh, right which, there. That one this right one? The left. Go to the left one. I'll the left one? Yeah. All right. This, you probably don't, it's very hard. Okay, I know this one by heart because I remember this was a project down in uh, America's Georgia, historic B&B, right? And what it was, was they had looked all over for this wood in Poplar and they couldn't get us to be at this profile, couldn't get it. And the guy calls me up, the owner of the B&B says, John, uh, I've got this piece and I've been told you guys can pretty much make anything uh, really quickly. And I need this piece made out of PVC, if that's what you make for our B&B so I can present it to the Historic Society and see if they'll approve it because I can't find it in wood. And if you know historic projects, you must replace everything with the same wood as what you've removed. And he knew he couldn't get it. So he said, I'm gonna look at my next best option. So I got this call. He showed me what he needed, sent me pictures. Uh, in two days, we had made the piece, sent it to him. He went to the board, Historic Society board, they approved it, and all that beadboard that's on that historic home was all replaced with cellular PVC. So it was kind of cool. I mean, that's the thing about Versatech. We're nimble, we're quick, we're fast, but you give us something, we can make pretty much anything you have. Now, we've got OEMs that can do it as well, and we rely on them. But in this case, this was early in our career, and we really didn't know that many OEMs. Uh, and then eventually, guys, you saw in that picture, replaced more and more of the product 
with just regular boards. So now that we get to beadboard, we got the other products as well. It was the first home ever in America's Georgia that had cellular PVC on it. Oh yeah. Here's another one. Great project. Uh, working with Bill uh, Sandrock, Stratton Creek Millwork. Uh, Bill, huge proponent of Versatech. Uh, this thing is the cupola at uh, Baldwin Wallace University in Berea, Ohio. It sits 60 feet in the air. That is the original patinaed roof from the 1800s, uh, when it was late 1800s, when it was originally built. Uh, Bill disassembled the entire cupola piece by piece, uh, realizing how he could then rebuild it to look exactly the way it did from the 1800s. Uh, it's used for the band. The band comes up into the middle of the cupola and plays the fight song as the football team is marching onto the field. So that's the story behind the cupola. But you'll see the craftsmanship by Bill and his group. And it really shows you that you can pretty much make anything you want out of cellular PVC. It's really left to the imagination. So from an architectural standpoint, they see something like this, they should realize anything I can't find or I can't be made in wood, I really should be giving serious consideration to cellular PVC because really there's not much you can't make from cellular PVC, whether it's bending it, milling it, molding it, or good. There's a cool one right here. That's an inch and a half. That's a window profile at a home in uh, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Uh, it was one of our first projects, I believe, that was painted with Aquasure Tech paint also. Uh, it's called a wagon wheel window. Again, historic in nature. Some of the first two-by we ever made. Uh, so it, and, and it, surprisingly, it was some of the higher quality back then. Uh, it took time to learn how to make two-by because two-by, to me, was like climbing uh, Mount Everest in, in the PVC world. Because going from an inch and a quarter to an inch and a half may not sound like a lot, but it was very difficult. And uh, How long have we had the two-by material, John? 2010. Wow. Quite a bit. Oh, that one. Yeah, that's, I, I really think that from a salesman standpoint, I would like to see more of our salesmen pick up competitive product like this and keep it. So that when someone says, well, why should I buy yours over the other guys? And it's always that. I mean, look at the core. Look at the joint where the, the you know, the, where the, from the apex down to the inside of the corner, the, the joining uh, joint. Look at the thickness of the legs. Look at all those things. I mean, really? Is, is there really a, a, a reason why you would not buy Versatech after looking at that picture? First of all, you can't even, that leg is going to break because it's so thin. That's, that's definitely a breakable point. Uh, and the reason the leg's so thin, because they can't make a true five-quarter product or one-inch product. You know, our one inch is plus or minus 20 thousandths uh, in the plant. And as a result, you can see the difference in thickness. So, well, the corners the corners are also curved a little bit. So I, I don't even think you can get a nice 90-degree angle with that pocket, right? You know, no, you can't. You're right. So, I mean, you know why they go back. So you see how they curve that inside corner? See how the, the little curve there? You know why they do that? Because if they try to cut it like ours, that would break. That's a break point. That becomes almost a pinch. So that thing would be much easier to snap if they hadn't rounded it. They mm -hmm. rounded it for a reason. If you look, it's almost tapered down too. They tried to increase the material as you get closer to the, to the, the, the solid side. To, to the, Make the, it stronger, the, right? What's that? Make it stronger, give it more strength. Is that yeah, right? that's they're, trying, they're trying to build up the strength. They almost kind of make it like it's tapered to the front. They did it on purpose. Oh. 
That's a difference right there. It's a huge difference. And, and if you look at that company's products, all of their products are like that, which is, I mean, people say, well, what a PVC is PVC. No, it isn't. It's not. Here's another one, John. Oh yeah. T and G beadboard. You're looking at, I mean, look at one is the thickness. Two is, I think there's like a five or 6% difference in thickness here. Look at how far we extend out on the right hand side. Uh, relative to where their bead is. It's just, it's a different product. It's, it's night and day. It's apples and oranges. Even the bead is a cleaner look if you look at the beads. Yes. And bigger too, deeper. Well, that's because our product's thicker. I mean, when you're looking at architects and designers, these are things that is looked at as far as details go. And this could make or break it, really. It is. It could. I mean, there's so, the column wrap. The column wrap is another good one because it shows you the thickness can we go back to the stealth beadboard? Yes, sir. John, can we we'll just walk us through what's the best way to fasten that stealth beadboard? Oh, to me, it's a staple. It's a, a stainless steel, one inch staple that, or excuse me, one staple wide that goes in at least an inch and a quarter into your, uh, your joist. That's the best way to do it. Forget nails, forget other crap, staples, period. Yep. And we'll do one more here. Okay. Let's see some of the newer ones. Uh, here's a good example. Oh, wait, Josh, <laughs> we were on this together. <laughs> I thought I was make it through this without this picture. <laughs> <laughs> the whole purpose of this picture is really you want to have corners on your building that one fish mouth like this. I call that fish mouthing, whatever it is. It's just the engagement looks terrible. I'll call it fish mouthing. Or would you prefer to have a one-piece corner? You know, you can get them 20, you know, actually we've made them 24 foot long. Maybe they'd be, this be a two-piece, but we would never have a joint like that, like you see right there. Uh, it would be smooth, the transition would be clean, it'd be very neat. And, and in a building like this, why, that right now the, the, the owners of the building, excuse me, the, the tenants in the building have been bringing up this corner, at least that's what we heard Josh from the superintendent. So if the tenants are seeing this, man, that you got to change it. You got to do the right thing and put the right kind of corner on. That's going to be aesthetically pleasing to those people that are running these facilities, because I don't know if they purchase them, rent them, whatever they lease them, whatever they do, they have ownership and they mm -hmm. want to be nice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then it's under the, under a nice the one, one. About the one with the, it looks like the, uh, Looks like your TV around with the with the glass or the which uh, one? Down to the right. There you go. This one. That actually, that actually is a piece of VersaTech that's been digitally printed. That's what. That no is. way. Oh wait, yeah, behind the TV, right? Yeah, that's a piece of digitally printed VersaTech that was used in the basement of a home. Person says, "This is what I want." When they saw it, they loved it. They fell in love with it. This is great. So again, you can do anything with it. Digitally print. We had one guy who actually digitally, digitally printed blue sky with clouds on it and used it in the ceiling of his outdoor living area. This is way back when. This is a long time. Hmm. I don't That's have to incredible. And then I just want to do one with paint. Really, here's a good one. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a couple things with this. I can't understand why they used on top of our product a piece of flashing. That's the first thing. It makes no sense. It's like, let's waste some money and put a flashing that really doesn't need to be there. 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, AquaSure Tech Paint. This is dark green. Uh, you're going to paint anything uh, with an LRV uh, less than 50, it better be AquaSure Tech Paint. I keep hearing other people say, well, uh, Benjamin Moore says this is okay, or Sharon Williams says it's okay. No, they're not okay. What they do is they don't keep the, they keep the product cooler than the heat distortion temperature of the, of the product, of the trim. But what they don't do is keep the temperature down in the trim. So that trim can get up to 140 degrees Fahrenheit because the uh, heat distortion temperatures is 150 degrees. And they feel, well, if we keep it low below 150, we're okay. No, you're not. That makes no sense whatsoever. 140 makes the delta T bigger. The delta T makes the expansion contraction more. Use AquaSureTech. Yeah, that, that, that's a cool product too. It actually fuses into the board as if it was one. You can that's twist right. that thing, won't crack. Here's a little tip for you guys, and and maybe you don't. Well, I'll tell you the same way. Maybe AquaSureTech won't be listening to this, but if they are, too bad. <laughs> uh, that stuff that's used to clean those boards is just acetone and water. That's all it is. It's no more than that. Uh, and you use like dish soap and water too. I don't know if you can't, they, they prefer acetone because it chemically, you know, really cleans that surface and removes everything from it. Grease, you know, grease, grime, uh, opens the cells a little bit, uh, or I should say opens the surface cause there's no cells there. opens the surface a little bit to accept the paint. So it's acetone and water. Uh, and that came from a pre-finisher told me that I didn't even know that till he uh, brought that to my attention. Very cool. All right. Well, we appreciate it, John. Um, well, it's already, it's been over 30 minutes already. That was fun. Uh, anything you'd like to say to builders or customers, you know, just any yeah. feed as far as feedback goes, like what are you looking for as far as feedback from the field? Well, I'd always like to know what we can do to service them better. I mean, I've said that many, many times. And are there products we can make that no one has ever considered or no one even wants to be messing with that maybe we can make for them? Uh, granted, it's not a onesie, twosie type of thing, but it's something that the marketplace needs that all contractors and all builders would find a value to. I'll give you an example. In New England, I still think we should be making the New England water table. I, I do. I think there's a market for that. Uh, and I think we should be moving forward with that one. And, and I'm, that's one of the things I'm kind of playing around with right now. So what I like for them is, are we doing our job? Are, are we giving them products that are quality product? Uh, is the product doing what they want it to do in the field? Are they being educated on how to, uh, uh, you know, install the product? And if we're not doing those things that we need to know, are dealers doing their job? It's very important that they have a good dealer base to rely on. So we want to hear feedback from them as a, on that as well, uh, because the dealer is really our a salesperson for Versatech in a way, uh, and they're the guys out in the field, and, and people need to know if they're doing their job correctly or not. We need to know if they're doing their job correctly or not. Uh, under one thing regarding COVID, as my wife just walked in, Don, I'm on a video right now. Hi. You're being filmed there, but you know. <laughs> he was out walking. No, we've guy. had many uh, surprises. I think uh, Josh's son was on the video the other day. Yeah. That was funny. Say, the contractors in the state of Pennsylvania, the one message to them is write your governor, email your governor, do something with governors and your state representatives, 
to get construction market back working back alive because right now they're on hold. They're not allowed to do anything in the state of Pennsylvania. And that's unfortunate. So we have to really be pushing Wolf and, and all of the uh, representatives and the senators to get the state back into letting contractors be an essential part of this country's economy. I'm shocked it's not. I mean, roofers, come on. Roofers are many, many feet apart. Uh, plumbers, electricians, carpenters, they're not standing that close to each other. They're spread all over the job site. Give them a break. Come on. It keeps the economy going. And that's one thing we need to be doing right now is doing everything we can to maintain as much of this economy as possible uh, because it's going to be a, it's going to be a stretch afterwards uh, for a couple months. I don't think it's going to take a long time. And I think there'll be a lull in the fall and hopefully we'll have a solution to what the current situation is. And if there is a solution, I think it'll put a lot of people's minds at ease. Awesome. And I guess just to wrap this up, what is the one thing you miss the most about being locked in? Uh, going to work, uh, being on the road, meeting contractors, talking to contractors, uh, getting uh, tech calls when I'm in the office, being on the plant floor, spending time with the guys out there. So yeah, all the above. And the idea of me retiring ain't happening. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, if I had to sit here 24-7 for the next three weeks, I'm going to be pulling my hair out, which is a little <laughs> left there, but it'll be coming up. You got a nice head of hair there. For sure. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. We'll wrap this up. Thank you so much, John. Uh, Turner, Chadwick, appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you in a little bit, too. We got to do uh, Dura Systems. All right. Take so, care. Thanks, thanks John. Again. Thank you.